We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Joe Bartell. Welcome to the pod. We'll be doing this every Monday. Normal, often it'll be uh, Chris Liss and myself. Uh, on Tuesdays, Joe is going to be with Jake Letarski. Wednesdays, we've got uh, well, we've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, Wednesday, it's me plus your random guest co-host. This week will be Brad Evans from Yahoo Fantasy Sports. We'll be sure to uh, post the uh, schedule every day uh, on the, on Twitter, on the site, and you can see who's uh, recording on each given day. But, Joe, we got back from Vegas. We did a draft already. Uh, we are in the same draft, a 14-team standard scoring league uh, with a lot of complications. So, uh, it's always good to jump into it right away, get that first draft out of the way for if you're not one of those crazy best ball guys that start in February. Well, here you go. Uh, we, we, you get a draft in July, get kind of kick off fancy football draft season. See, now I feel like you're making fun of me because I am one of those crazy best ball draft guys. I know you are. It it wasn't quite February, but it was March already when I was doing them. And I've I've done at least three every month since then, more so to keep up on the ADP and see where the trends are going than, oh, I'm going to make big bucks or anything like that. That's not the intention, but I I really do love drafting. And it's kind of one of my favorite parts about fantasy football. So I've been pretty consistent with that throughout the last couple of months. And certainly now as we kind of gear up for August and the end of August in particular, that's one uh, I'm hoping all this, all this work and knowledge is going to pay off now. So uh, you, where do you, what's your platform? Where do you typically play your best ball leagues? I've, I've done a few now on uh, Fanball, I think, or the one that Mario does quite a bit. He's kind of tipped me off on that. But for the most part, I have a lot of shares in the M- MFL 10s kind of thing. So I think mm, 75% of my drafts have been through that platform so far. And then the other one, obviously, uh, what I discussed earlier. This is And this is where I can disclose. I, did, I didn't want to be like totally naked going into the Vegas draft. So I did an NFFC 25 uh, two weeks ago uh, to kind of get, me, get myself started. Because I didn't do a, a, the mocks for the magazine this year. I just wrote up the Bengals 
angle. So I felt really like kind of underprepared. So I had to get ramped up a little bit faster, especially knowing that I'm going to be doing a lot of talking. So yeah, you're right. You, it, the best balls are a great way to prep for the offseason. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Before we do any of that, let's jump right into the fantasy news uh, the last week or so. Uh, starting off with the big news, I think has to be the Melvin Gordon, uh, contract, uh, hold out there, uh, that he is working towards an extension. He said he's going to hold out a training camp, but you know, it, you know, after last year, after the, the, the whole, uh, Lev Bell situation, we have to take every holdout a little bit more seriously than we did in the past. Yeah, I agree. And Melvin Gordon has went on record saying that he was watching that saga unfold. And I think of the running backs that are kind of close to that contract extension, he's going to be the one that's most interesting. I I think most people would say he's a talented running back, but certainly not on the level of uh, Todd Gurley, David Johnson. I don't even think he's there and not Le'Veon Bell's level either, but he's still a multi-fast player. He can run the ball really well and he can pass catch. He's a huge part of that offense. We saw Austin Eckler struggle to be the main back in the four games towards the end of the season where he was the starter. Actually, I think it was two. And then he left with a concussion and a, a neck sprain, something like that. So uh, it's Gordon's role is going to be really important. And frankly, I, and I talked about this with John McKechnie on Sirius XM, I think Friday, I don't anticipate the chargers drag their feet too long in this, their window of opportunity to win in the division win in the AFC in particular is right now. We have Philip rivers for maybe two or three more seasons yet. They have over 50, $50 million in cap space next year. There isn't really any reason why they can't sign Melvin Gordon. I, I instead of like a five or six year deal, um, which I'm sure he's looking for. It makes sense at least from both sides to make it a smaller deal. Maybe like a two, three at most four year deal where, where the guaranteed money comes up front. You still have Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen's probably due for an extension soon. Mike Williams and Hunter Henry are about two years away. Um, both those guys they'll need to sign, but there isn't a lot of big names. They have to resign other than Melvin Gordon in these next two seasons or so. I agree with that. Uh, and I don't think there's the animus towards the organization from Gordon as there was to bell to the Steelers. I think that's going to kind of dictate this a little bit. He he's saying all these things that are scary. Like if he doesn't get his, get it progress on a deal by July 24th, he's going to ask for a trade. Asking for a trade is one thing, being, being willing to punt a season's another. And I think that's going to be a, a bigger hurdle to cross. Uh, so uh, to, to clear, if you will. So I, I don't think that's going to happen, but at the same time, I mean, it's really frustrating to see this. It, and I say it's frustrating because I took him in Scott Fishbowl a, a week ago, uh, you know, in the first round of the draft at 1.9. And my other choice was Lev Bell. At least those are the two I was debating. Oh, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's no, bringing everything no together. No question, Melvin Gordon in that situation. I think he's my number six guy off the board currently and the sixth running back currently. So I would take him over Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley. Um, and we'll get to it more in a Vegas league. But I was debating, am I going to have to take Gordon at number nine where I picked and I had David Johnson follow me, which was kind of a godsend. Still, though, I, I again, I don't the depth chart behind Melvin Gordon is not great for as awesome as Austin Eckler has been throughout his career. Again, we saw what he was able to do as a starter, and it wasn't that efficient and effective that he has been throughout most of his career. Justin Jackson, I like him quite a bit as a two-down guy. I don't think the Chargers can realistically depend okay. on him to fill in even like James Conner. Like, that doesn't work. I just want to wish. I just want to let you know right now, be careful. Don't you dare besmirch the name of Justin Jackson, ball carrier. I'm a Northwestern guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I, I've written about him a lot. I mean, I'm just kidding. You're, you're lucky to be talking to the Los Angeles Chargers beat writer for Rotowire. Oh, so wow. I'm well in tune with how the Chargers and really their whole offense has been throughout the last two seasons or so. And I just don't think there's any way they can afford to not come to terms with Melvin Gordon, even on a shorter deal. I do agree. And I, and I, I am in jest, but I do love Justin Jackson for what he did at Northwestern. And, you know, he, he, I actually think he's better suited to be the first and second down guy. Should Gordon be absent and Eckler be the third down guy, but that's not necessarily how it'll play out. It'll probably be almost a near even timeshare. I would think Eckler being most of the, most of those in passing situations still, but Eckler can run between the tackles. Some just, I wouldn't want to see that on a week to week basis. No, I agree. Actually, I, I disagree in the sense that I think Justin Jackson would be the primary first and second down carrier. Like maybe it's more of a 70 30 split to keep Austin Eckler at his most efficient. And Justin Jackson's capable. I'm not trying to say he's not. He's not some scrubby player by any means. And for the third running back on your team, that's all right. But he won't be a James Conner or Jalen Samuels to the Le'Veon Bell last year. There's just not the talent that Justin Jackson has compared to what Conner has. So I, I would be a little bit 
wary in, oh, yeah, okay, you're identifying Melvin Gordon maybe as a holdout candidate, fine, but there isn't a guy on that depth chart currently that's going to be able to explode similar to what we saw for Connor or even Kareem Hunt when Spencer Ware went down for that season-ending injury two years ago. Right. That's right. Okay, so um, you're not where, so you haven't really moved Gordon down in your rankings that much, even with this no. news. No. Okay. Nope. nope. I'm not scared off at all. Keep giving me every bit of Melvin Gordon share I can get. So, and that's interesting because I saw in a couple of the uh, NFFC's best ball contests that they've had, or even the RotoWire Online Championship uh, that ran last night. I think he went as late as 19. We had Greg Ambrosius on the XM show today and saying how much he is dropping some. And I, I think we're all scared off a little bit because of the bell thing that happened last year. And, you know, also the Chargers do have a history of players holding out. Remember Bosa. Joey Bosa. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was the one I was thinking of, too. And that wasn't. I mean, you talk about how Gordon is saying all the right things currently, and that's true. Um, like he was, I'm blessed to be with the team. They took me in the first right. round. Like that was a big risk. Those are all very true things. And Melvin Gordon's acknowledging that, but that Bosa thing was ugly. And frankly, even last year when he missed a few games, with the sprained foot, it kind of felt like Anthony Lynn head coach of the chargers thought he would be coming back earlier than he did. And Bosa wasn't necessarily pushing himself to get to that point. I, I don't know if it's just the Bosa's who just seem like they're in their own peculiar world, or maybe the chargers front office has a bit more, uh, is a bit more negligible when it comes to contract negotiations and other teams. I'm not quite positive. I think this will be a really telling mark for a couple other players coming up, how Gordon responds with the front office. Yeah. And it's, it's a reflection of the value of running backs generally. Uh, you know, yes. we, we saw Gurley get his, and then we saw Gurley have a, an arthritic component in his knee and that's scary as heck. Uh, you know, and this is why teams are devaluing running backs. Yeah. And, and Gordon himself has had a lot of injury problems. Yep. He missed four games last season. He had the microfractured knee surgery after his rookie year. Of course, he didn't even score a touchdown in his rookie year. And now he's kind of developed into this player here. So it's difficult. I think it's, Again, that's why I don't think there's going to be a long-term deal that happens with Melvin Gordon. If and when there's a contract extension, I'm expecting two, three, or four years. Putting him right around where he could hit uh, free agency again at the 29 or 30 age season, that's what I expect. And then I bet you the charge will cut loose. They'll be happy to get eight years out of their first-round pick. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that that's probably the right play. All right. So news about another running back, uh, Philip Lindsay, uh, ended the season with a wrist injury, uh, which has kind of discounted his draft stock a little bit this year. Uh, and plus there's a new coaching staff. There's a lot of reasons that you could be wary. However, we got some good news today that in advance of training camp, he said his right wrist is feels good to go. He in Lindsay says in my mind, I'm ready. I'm hundred percent. However, that's his mind. It's not the team <laughs> saying, okay, you've been cleared. Uh, I think we need to make sure that, you know, you know, our headline seems it might be a little deceptive. It says ready to go. He's ready to go. The team may not agree with that, but uh, something to watch for there. New offense in Denver. Where are you on Philip Lindsay? He's in that weird spot in the third round, maybe beginning of the fourth round, where you have to really start thinking if you want receiver or tight end in rounds one and two, you're looking to try to get that second running back or in the case of maybe Philip Lindsay, he's your first running back. I don't know if you could feel all that comfortable with Lindsay in particular, but I feel better about Lindsay than I do a lot of the other guys going around that range. Carry on Johnson's about the only one in that third to fourth round consideration for a running back that I feel more comfortable with than Lindsay. I understand Devonte Booker is going to be around. I'm probably taking more of the receiving opportunities with Flacco now under center. There is the Royce Freeman concern, which John McKechnie talked about and, and validly. So I got burned hard on Freeman last year. And I think I'm kind of shying away or maybe putting too much devaluation into him right now, but I'm not too worried. I think what we saw with Lindsay, he wasn't just an outside guy. He could hit the holes. He has explosiveness. The wrist injury felt a little bit fluky to me. It wasn't so much of a, uh, re reincurring injury, so to speak. So I I'm, I'm still on board with him in a third, fourth round capacity. Yeah. It's funny. You, you had the choice. You actually went one pick after you in the Vegas league that we did, uh, where you took carry on Johnson. Yep. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Was that, was that your debate or was there someone else? Uh, man, I'd have to look real quick to see in particular. I knew I wanted a running back there. I had David Johnson around one. So it was a matter of, okay, I want to get two running backs out of my top four picks. So I like carry on more than Lindsay. And I think what that offense is going to be for the Lions it's going to be dependent almost entirely on getting some sort of ground game to open up Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and uh, TJ Hawkinson. 
they have to have one or the other. I don't believe the Broncos are going to have any sort of balanced offense. I'm not a huge Flacco supporter. I guess I don't know what your take is, but he's got to be at least bottom third, if not lower in terms of starting NFL quarterbacks right now in his career. How did the Ravens get a third out of that? That's what I, I want to know. I mean, I thought it was a fourth. Was it a, a fourth? I thought it was a third, even but I could be still, wrong. Yeah. Even still, you're talking like defensive tackles. Even last year that the Eagles trade, were getting sixth and seventh round picks that were more prominent for their respective teams. And I think whatever Flacco is going to do, it just, it's the position and, oh, he's got a cannon and Elway was desperate. That's, that's really the only way that I can rationalize it. That John Elway is just hemorrhaging the quarterback position overall for the last three, four or five years now. And the Paxton Lynch thing just set them back. And instead of trying to reevaluate their, their process of acquiring quarterbacks, they just doubled on on the older, worse version of whatever Paxton Lynch could have been at his best. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I, again, they, they took a Northwestern guy, which uh, I wanted to I wanted to root for Trevor Simeon, but it didn't happen. Didn't work out too, too well. Uh, but yeah, it's it, John Elway's track record with quarterbacks has not been strong. That's it's kind of oh. weird, kind of weird. You would think that if anything, that's what he'd get right. Yeah, I don't know how great of a personnel evaluator he is just in general he's a great name and obviously the broncos value him for what he's done in the past as a starting quarterback but when he's identifying just any sort of talent it it feels off and even like okay so i like Cortland sudden if you were to hit on Cortland sudden i would probably attribute that to some like no-name scout who was like yeah let's go get him instead of john john elway in particular just hammering home that he really needs this tall wide receiver i don't know i i suspect and maybe with the situation with Pat Bowlin and everything that's going on else in Denver, this won't come to pass. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Elway's uh, at CBS doing some announcing job in like 2020. Yeah, um, seems about right. So, uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, that that's definitely uh, going to be a scenario there. Where I, I have one Lindsay share. Got him in the fishbowl, actually. Um, so we'll see how that one plays out. I think I got him in the fourth, I want to say. As my uh, number two running back there, or number three running back, I take that back. I started off, I, I went really running back heavy early in this draft. I went, I, I got Lindsay in the fifth. I want to give my, I don't want to oh, wow. defame myself Congrats. too that's much. That's a great, that's a great pick. Great value for him. Yeah. And keep in mind, the fishbowl is kind of uh, quirkier because it's a QB flex league, first of all. Uh, six points for a passing touchdown, but negative four for an interception, negative two more if it's a pick six. So uh, it, it's a little more punitive when you mess up but i started off running back running back went melvin gordon at two at 1.9 damian williams at 2.4 uh followed it up uh with my first receiver in the third round uh with stefan diggs uh then then russell wilson and then i got Lindsay. so i'm a little light and wide receiver in this league but you start two running backs two receivers and like five flexes plus plus the super flex so it, it's the roster management's a little different uh in this yeah, league plus there's bonuses for tight ends it sounds like you'll have to be watching the free agency wire, as will everyone in that league, with how many flex options there are. Like it's it's just tough to have that much depth to feel comfortable at any one spot. I felt the same way following our Vegas draft. Like it's a fourteen team uh, draft where you have two running backs starting, three wide receivers. There's bound to be one position where you don't feel comfortable with by the end of it. Absolutely, and uh, you know, and, Dick, and I think draft position dictates that quite a bit. Uh, I'm drafting twelfth. You drafted ninth, I believe. Uh, it does push you a little bit farther back um, in the running back queue, except in your case where David Jan- David Johnson fell into your lap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean we can get into that a little bit more. Um, I, I don't know we later will. in the discussion, but I had the number two pick, and I traded with Harry, who's a brilliant guy at, uh, that does tech stuff for oh, us. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Fr- frankly, all those tech guys are – infinitely smarter than both you and me like i i don't know if you feel comfortable saying that but i certainly do my ego does not feel shot at all suggesting some of those tech guys are they they have plans that i don't think even are even one of us could comprehend um so when i was like hey you want to trade the number two pick for number nine he's like yeah sure he jumped all over it and by the end of the draft i feel like he was comfortable with his what he got at number two but i know like halfway through he's like man i should have stuck at number nine and i was just giggling here with antonio brown david johnson like i felt really set but then the depth by the end of the draft made me feel less comfortable and how I maybe in the beginning. Yeah, it comes back to you pretty quick. Uh, you, I mean, the thing is, I, we were t- discussing on the show today, in a, and this is a standard scoring league, but in a PPR league too, what's your preferred draft position? And a lot, you know, the vast majority of people wanted to be in the top five, many in the top three, because there's a drop off, I think, after three, between three and four. I, I 
I put Kamara a slight tick behind the, uh, the, the, the trio of uh, Barkley and Elliott and CMC, but you know, one can make an argument that the others do not feel that way. Uh, but five is where you start thinking, okay, do I go receiver at DeAndre Hopkins? Is there a, a, or am I going to push up a different running back there? It's not as simple of a choice. Yeah. If you're not top four, I'm going to go nine or 10 almost every single time. And I think it largely depends, especially for people that are just listening and kind of getting into the fantasy season right now. How comfortable do you feel identifying starting running backs or starting wide receivers, I should say, for your team in the later rounds? I've done a lot of different uh, best ball drafts. I have an idea of guys I like, guys that could be sleeper-ish targets. I really don't like using that word because anyone can say they're a sleeper. Sure. Seventh, 12th round. But guys that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And I feel comfortable getting them in that 9 through 12 range to get to round up my receiving core, maybe the wide receiver three or even a wide receiver two, I feel comfortable finding there, which means I can kind of go and dig for the trenches when it comes to the running back spot later in there. I I don't mind taking a Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, uh, or David Johnson, who I don't think will be slipping down that far come the end of August, but certainly right now he's kind of in that range. Give me every one of those guys and then a Damian Williams, Joe Mixon, Delvin Cook right away, and I'll feel much more confident in what I can do with the wide receiver position later in the draft than what I will be with a running back spot, which after six rounds felt like you were picking the backups of backups. Right. I I like that, and I like being in the middle of drafts too just to kind of – being able to capitalize off the players that drop as a result of runs, maybe being able to avoid getting caught up in runs, being at the end of one. I, I, I think that's that instinct is stronger for me in baseball than it is football. I think I, in baseball, I definitely want to avoid, you know, avoid getting trapped by a run as much in, in football. I feel like there's easier ways out of it, but uh, that's, yeah, that's, we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit later. A couple more news notes uh, before we move on topics here. Uh, we, we talked about the two big ones up here, but a guy that we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about, at least I haven't so far in Sirius and XM, uh, Antonio Callaway uh, said, Baker Mayfield said that Callaway looked sharp during the off season program. He's a guy last year that a lot of people were buzzing about. A lot of people thought he had some upside. Then he had the arrest and there was a lot of back and forth. Okay. What's his real value uh, this year? You know, there's not much buzz with him. His ADP is really low. Uh, you know, the, they brought in Od- Odell Beckham, obviously. That's a big deal. Uh, pushes him, though, down the depth chart to no better than third behind uh, Beckham and Landry. Uh, Higgins is there. There's, you know, Njoku is going to get a lot of targets. They have a lot of running back kind of targets with uh, between Duke Johnson and, uh, Nick, and Nick Chubb and obviously Kareem Hunt when he rejoins the team. So he's not going to be a guy that's you know, top on top of everybody's brain, but I kind of like him still. I still think that this offense might be able to support three wide receivers. What do you think about Callaway? It's not impossible to assume that, right? Like I believe in Baker Mayfield. He's been kind of the quarterback that I've been targeting the most in drafts so far. And that's based mostly off of positioning where he's getting taken currently. But I, I think Odell and Jarvis are going to do well enough job spreading the field out where uh, there's certainly a possibility for a third receiver to do well. I tend to believe it's David Njoku as the guy that will benefit the most from yeah. the Odell Bucko acquisition. But after that, where are you kind of going with that Cleveland offense is a question mark still. Like I've been a little bit low on Nick Chubb. There's a Sirius XM. Uh, I remember that. that came out this weekend. And I, I, I feel really strongly despite all those Twitter haters out there saying, otherwise I don't feel comfortable taking him in the second or third round where he is right now. Cause I think Kareem Hunt's going to play a big factor, but I would feel comfortable taking Callaway pretty late on. Like if there's an injury at any point to Odell who had the freak injury early or like earlier in his career. So maybe we can't just assume that it'll happen again, but it's not Jarvis Landry's taken a lot of targets. One wrong hit could put a position where Callaway is the second receiver in a very prominent and what you figure be high powered offense this season, other than the weather conditions, which by the end of play, playoff season, maybe that gets a bit more concern for you. I don't mind him as a 13th, 14th round kind of gamble. Yeah, I like him as a dart throw in best ball. I like him especially in best ball because you don't have to pick when he's going to have right. his big game or his big play. I, I think I, that's one of the things I like him because he's a big play sort of type of guy. You're not going to go – he's not a move the chain sort of guy. And well, and then I'm in two different leagues where kickoff and punt return yardage actually counts. Really? Small. Yeah, and, and he's a guy that I actually target then – 
even a little bit higher in that case. I don't know if Cleveland will actually opt to use him uh, in that capacity, but I know he could do well. And those are people that, especially if they are in a situation that I like, and also they can be a kickoff punt returner kind of guy, I'm a little bit more interested in acquiring those players. Yeah, fair enough. I'd be on board with that too. Before we move on, uh, let's go ahead and give a, share some business with uh, our friends from Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Yahoo DFS is sponsoring all of our podcasts throughout the season, so we want to thank them. Uh, good, good folks. Generally, uh, we we did uh, the Brad Evans uh, auction on Monday. I did, and a lot of good Yahoo folks there. So we always want to thank them. But uh, specifically, it's all it's officially July, which means football season is around the corner. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get into the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do it uh, anything after you, you've drafted your team. Each week, the top-scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count toward your weekly score. Forget about the time commitments, no waiver wire, no trades, n- nothing of that nature, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough starter sit decisions. Focus on the best part of foot fantasy football, the draft, just like Joe was talking about earlier. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having uh, the other players drop out and not finish early and not finish a draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join a league today at sports.yahoo.com slash best ball. Coming soon to the Yahoo Fantasy app. So, okay. We uh, we have done you have done a bunch of best ball drafts. We'll talk about some of those later. Talk maybe about some of the guys you've gotten more off than not, Joe. Uh, but before we do that, let's go in more into this Vegas League draft that you and I did together to set the set the stage. It's a fourteen teamer. It is a standard scoring. Rotowire President P- uh, Peter Shanky hates uh, it hates. Uh, I'm sorry. He hates PPR. <laughs> hates PPR. He hates more PPR more than he hates eating his vegetables. He just hates PPR. <laughs> Can't stand. It. Actually, he likes eating his vegetables. I lived with him for a couple of years. It's weird how much he likes his vegetables. They stunk up the house. But anyhow, uh, I'm I'm getting off topic because I tend to do that. But hates PPR. So we always do standard scoring for these leagues. We had two drafts going on at once this year. You and I are paired in the same league together, which means we'll uh, take each other out. Was it you last year that had crushed me with Derrick Henry in the playoffs? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't have Derrick Henry, but I did have Patrick Mahomes and he actually helped carry me to the finals of this portion of it, right? There's two different leagues I made to the finals. And then I am probably lost to a team that was basically relying on Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry alone. And, and I had yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, Mahomes, and uh, my team just stuck up the joint for the first, I, I was the highest scoring uh, person in that league last year. And, uh, we, yeah, we choked in the finals or right before the finals. Yeah. I just remember getting crushed by Derrick Henry in a league. So, uh, maybe it wasn't you, I, I guess I can't blame you this time, but, uh, <laughs> I, I typically do all right in this league. Uh, I think structurally because it's standard scoring, people will push the running backs and really push them. And yeah, I get it. You don't want to get stuck with uh, a pass catching back as your number two running back. Uh, you you want to have a, a higher baseline, but I think it's it goes too far. And I think this draft in particular, uh, you can check out my blog where I have the draft grid and four very fine, art, perfectly done photos for you to easy digest the the draft in. Uh, you can see for yourself how much the running backs got pushed. Uh, eleven out of the first twelve picks, or ten of the first eleven picks, were running backs. I had the twelve spot. You had the nine spot. You got David Johnson at nine, which is gross. First of all, I was a, I was a little ticked ticked off at that because I hate seeing <laughs> someone else get the value, but uh, there, you got it, and you know you, you got that, which is awfully nice. You were kind of targeting him all along, I imagine. Yeah, well, that was one of those you run up there with the sticker as fast as you can. Like before anyone realizes what they did, you just put it on there real quick. All right, yep, David Johnson, nine, keep moving on. Yeah, I'm not a huge James Conner fan. Derrick Henry, um, who the guy who that took him had just filled in like right. maybe five minutes before. So I don't really like that's a minute a weird before. Pick, but I, yeah, right. I don't, I don't really blame him for making a weird selection because he didn't have a lot of prep time beforehand, but I'm not going to go with the James Conner, or Derek Henry. And I really wouldn't have wanted to take Joe Mixon. So if David Johnson had not gotten there, I don't think I would have went running back. I assume if David Johnson was taken earlier, that means Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell gets pushed back and I would have taken one of those guys, but it really was a, a, 
kind of a precipitous cliff that we were hanging off of here. Like, oh, I hope he makes it here. And then he did. And yeah, I was, I was, I was ecstatic for that one. And keep in mind, this is before the Gordon news came out, too. So he went uh, at seven, no drop from him. But Lev Bell went five. That was a little bit of a surprise. Not, not a terribly big surprise. He's gone in some other drafts that high. Uh, Gurley, you know, I, I've seen him go in the third round. I've seen him go in the first round. And here he went in the first, right before you. Uh, so you run up with the pick of David Johnson. Connor goes 10. Derrick Henry goes 11. I'm with you. I'm not comfortable with either Connor or, Henry, uh, Connor or Mixon at that spot. In the second round, I might have gone mixing. Even then, I'm not that much. And I'm a self-hating Bengals fan, so keep that in mind. Uh, that I, you know, I would probably move him down below where he goes in most places because I'm so uh, supremely unconfident about the Bengals' offense this year. I just I think it's going to be a mess. I mean, their first-round draft pick's already out for the season. Their left tackle that they drafted. I mean, that that's the sort of thing. That, that's, you know, peak Bengals right there. It just it happens all the time. <laughs> You can at least take confidence that the Dolphins should be a worse-er team in the AFC than what the Bengals will be. But, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not optimistic about their chances either. I may have taken a few unders on their win total while we were in Vegas. Did you really? Wow. Yeah. I might what have, was that? I might what was the line that. at? Yeah, I think it was five and a half. It wasn't very high. It really wasn't. But I looked at their schedule, and I, I believe the Browns are going to make a, a chance at the playoffs. And I think the Ravens, too, are also going to be right up there. So sure. whatever you think about the Steelers, that's at least six six losses right there. It felt pretty easy to kind of go uh, look at that direction for an over-under bet. I agree. I really agree. Um, it, it sucks being a Bengals fan. There's just no, I you know I have dabbled with the idea of picking up another team, and the guy the team I'd most likely pick up is the Chargers because I'm out here in L.A. Everybody's already aboard the Rams bandwagon. I mean, the Chargers are already good though too. It's just their ownership's so unlikable, and that's oh yeah, and that's exactly. one of my big problems with the Bengals. So it, it's kind of hypocritical, you know. I you know the Bengals, the you know you've got Mike Brown who doesn't spend just doesn't spend spend it all unless he has to whether it's players whether it's the front office you know they have the small scouting staff in football he's his own gm i i I don't talking about they they signed bobby hart aren't you so happy that they got him to a large deal re-signed bobby (laughs) Hart. first of all re-signed woohoo yeah yay (laughs) Um, because the devil you know is better than the one any possible improvement from the outside no the Bengals signed no significant free agents look at their tracker Uh, they, they signed a a backup offensive lineman, a backup D lineman, who's probably like their seventh best pass rusher and a backup safety. That is it. That is their off season acquisition roster there. It's pathetic. It's it's ridiculous. I'm a Packers fan and I've been living with that for, it feels like all my life save for this off season. So it's been a whole new world. Like I had the whole Latin theme song playing in the background as I was mm-hmm. watching the Packers spend trillions of dollars on outside linebackers that probably won't get more than four sacks a season. It's, it's fantastic. You know, no one feels so bad for you. You've had two quarterbacks for like 30 years. So I, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Um, you have a great, you, you've had Super Bowls. You've won Super Bowls. I have two gut punch Super Bowl losses, but that's it. Uh, it's really, it's gross. It's really gross. So yeah, I, but, and the thing is I haven't found an alternative team yet, so I'm stuck with the Bengals for another year. Here we are. Um, but yeah, I'm just not very optimistic whatsoever about them. Uh, and of course they've already lost their first round pick because that's what they do. Uh, even when they turn out to be good players, you have to wait another year. Um, well, and that's exactly why I'm not huge on Joe Mixon, even on the turn coming to the second round or AJ Green for that matter. Like I, Andy Dalton's fine enough as a quarterback, but I, I'm, I'm afraid we might've seen the, the beginning of a slide for AJ Green in his illustrious career I'd last year. That. And I'm, I'm kind of ready to start staying away from that. And the offensive line has, it's, here's the thing. Andy Dalton's not good enough to overcome a really bad offensive line and the offensive line, they made their attempt to improve. And then immediately got punished by seeing him get hurt for the year. And so, you know, it's the same. I mean, and they did not. I mean, yeah, they, the, the draft picks can work out otherwise, but you lose your big difference maker from the offseason. And, you, do, you know, it's just it's tough. It's really tough to get over. So there you are with that. Enough of that, though. No, you know, enough about my bangledom. There's, we, I've gone on and on and on about that. And I've got all all podcast season to go on that even more. So we'll do that later. But so. I'm in the position there where Connor and Henry are gone. I don't want to take Mixon. You know, it's kind of tough because after that, there's a drop off in the running backs. I think there is at least. And 
so I, I, and it's being a standard scoring league, I went ahead and took Devonte Adams, you know, by, by and large, most red zone targets in football last year, both in terms of raw number and also as a percentage of a team's red zone targets. The one little caveat to that stat is most of those were inside the 20 and not inside the 10 and five. But I, it's only because I don't think, you know, it's just they scored a lot from inside the 22. So that, that also works in his favor. He's a good route runner. You know, Rodgers will throw him open a little bit. So I'm pretty optimistic about him coming close to what he did last year. Yeah, and I, I mean, again, I just talked about I am a Packers fan, so I can't really talk too negatively, Javante Adams. Well, thank you. I kind of tend to agree with Chris Liss and his super hot take earlier uh, this month where he's not he's not elite, but he's still super good. I think people quibble about the semantics of that. He's still one of the top 10 receivers, if not top five, in my opinion, in the league. He just might not be literally at the level of Julio Jones. Oh, darn. Nobody else is in the league like that's or DeAndre Hopkins. That's shots. right. Um, so and we're, t- I, and we're talking about and, and when you're saying that at the level, you're talking about ability to get yourself open, you know, jumping, leaping ability, all that volume still matters more than anything, though. Yes. And, and he Chris, even t- after even before that little thing, he took uh, Adams at 11 in this draft that they were talking about. It wasn't like he, he was trying to dog him. He was asked. They were asking him about his pick. And he went on that. T- and that's not it's like the seventh time he's made that comment, too, by the way. It's the only time it got any traction. Right. And again, I, I, I think I would have went Michael Thomas in this specific spot, but you like either one. I don't at this point, Odell, Devonte Adams and Michael Thomas are all kind of one a, in my opinion, well, I guess yep. two, two eggs. DeAndre Hopkins is easily far and away the receiver I'm taking first. Sure. Um, but all those guys, I, there isn't really, a, I have an issue with any one of them. I don't think they're going to be drastically better than one another. And frankly, Devonte Adams has been healthy for most of his season as, or his career, same as Michael Thomas too. So there isn't even that situation. The only one that you can make an argument for is that Michael Thomas plays in a dome eight games of the year. Maybe that makes a difference towards the end of the season if you're in the playoff hunt. But I think Devonte Adams gets you to the playoff hunt regardless of what weather conditions he's dealing with. So yeah. I'm I was perfectly fine with that pick in the first round. Michael Thomas also was historically efficient last year. I have a hard time believing that's going to repeat. True, true. I just feel like the Drew Brees offense is predicated on efficiency. Maybe he can't reach yeah. historic levels, but how much further are you going to expect it to fall down? And I, I just have a hard time kind of projecting less significantly less to the point where he's not a guy that I'd consider in the, uh, at the turn of the first and second round. I will say from Adams to Julio, to Juju, to Thomas, to Beckham and, and Antonio Brown, I'll take any of those guys. Yes. I, there's not really one that I'm like trying to fade among that group. So I was, per, you know, ha, had like there been all receivers going, gone there, you know, gone, and I'd get the last of them and get a better running back in, in return. Well, I would have been fine with that too. Uh, it just happened to be that I had to choose first because I thought there was a drop off among the running backs. In the second round, you got you you were in that position. You got to choose the last of that group in Antonio Brown. You had to be pretty happy with that. Yes, I was kind of hoping Odell would fall. I've been historically last four or five years been somebody that tries to avoid taking tight ends high for as much as I understand. And there's a lot of smart people out there that are mm-hmm. super in on Kittle, Ertz and, and uh, Kelsey as tight ends taking the second round. I just don't know if that's ever going to be me. I like to identify the wide receivers that are studs and the running backs that are studs. If both of those are gone, and I think if Brown had been taken before, Kelsey would have been by default the guy I would have went with. But there really isn't a situation when I'm picking at nine or ten in, in that first round where I feel like I'm really going to have to worry about a tight end. But give me Hunter Henry or O.J. Howard in the fifth or sixth round. If not, I'll go take Mark Andrews or Vance McDonald around nine and ten, and I'll be fine with that. I just don't feel comfortable investing uh, a high pick in a tight end like that. So yeah, I was, ex- I was very happy with Antonio Brown sliding back there. I liked your Damian Williams pick too. Frankly, all five of those guys went Michael Thomas, Damian Williams, Odell, Kelsey were the four. And then Brown was my fifth. I was going to be fine with all five of those guys and nobody else. So it really was a perfect situation. Perfect spot in the draft where I felt comfortable getting the guys I really wanted. Okay. And I, I believe everything Andy, uh, Andy Reed says about Williams saying that he's going to be the primary back. We've seen how primary backs do under Reed. We've seen what Williams does in this system. We saw it last year. 
why would you not buy into it unless you are like a big Carlos Hyde stan or yeah, right. unless you just think that it was a, a case there where Williams had fresh legs and nobody else did. I, that that might be the most persuasive argument of any of them to me, but I just saw what he did with them. And I can only help but think that he's going to repeat this performance. Maybe this offense isn't as potent with Tyreek Hill out early on. That's, we'll see how many yeah. go, how, how long it's going to be, but... I I really think that it's good time still ahead. And anyone I think- who's using their Carlos Hyde marking, like they're marking out about Carlos Hyde and the Chiefs needs to stop. I need you out of my Twitter feed today. Um, I need <laughs> you to really analyze the feed that we've been watching now for the last couple of seasons of what Carlos Hyde has produced as a running back. It's not pleasant. Like I, I you can look at the yardage and tell me, oh, four yards more per carry. No, I, I like I've watched him play and he's not that good. So don't tell me that he's going to be starting over Damian Williams at all. The only concern, the only one that I've been able to find about saying Damian Williams, not a second round running back is that the Tyree kill loss. And I do believe there's going to be a loss, but the longer we drag it on, there probably won't be. If there is a Tyreek Hill loss, that could impact how much space he's sure. able to get. Obviously, the the defensive back, the secondary, has to play deep in any situation on Tyreek Hill, which should open up more running lanes for a guy like Damian Williams. I still don't feel like that's going to be that much of an issue. I'm perfectly content taking him on that turn in the second round. Where are you on Mecole Hardman? I, I'm all in, but that's I've been really basing a lot of that off of McKechnie and Mario, who have just been trumpeting that player uh, in particular as a guy that – Frankly, they've been taking him like rounds eight, nine, ten. The ADP is even two or three rounds after that. Sure, he looks he looks to be good, and he has the speed to be good. I think it takes time for some of those smaller receivers to really become threats in the NFL. Tyree Kill, day one, was a threat for the Chiefs, and I just feel like those guys are. They, they don't come around too often. Hardman's going to take some time to get into that role, but I still think he could be a threat and he will be a threat with a guy like Patrick Mahomes throwing to him. All right. Very good. I'm, I'm with you on, I'm, I got him in the uh, Evans auction on Monday in the case of Hardman. So uh, I'm on board that one too. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, the next couple of rounds. Uh, so you go third round, you go carry on Johnson. I go uh, with Mari Cooper. I uh, follow up with Galladay. You follow it up with Brandon cooks. Uh, Anything in particular about those pair of picks for each of us? Well, other than I actually tried to take Amari Cooper, didn't realize you had snaked him when I was also, <laughs> I was doing a little bit of work in the side. And yes, I was you were. You were helping with the stickers. stickers. I appreciate yeah, so that. I, I, I we bonded over stickerdom. Yeah, I was not aware that you took Amari Cooper, so I thought you were going to uh, chastise me as you rightfully should because I, I was that guy in the draft, unfortunately. Um, I, I'm not a huge Brandon Cooks fan, but a, we talked about the drop-off with the Antonio Brown range. This in particular, this round four range, if you don't take a Brandon Cooks or Diggs, there's a significant drop-off at wide receiver. Like DJ Moore went next, Mike Williams, round four, that feels high, but in the 14-team league, it makes a little bit of sense. Kelvin Ridley, Robert Woods, those are the people that are taken right after Brandon Cook. So as much as I'm not a huge fan of him, I'd much rather have him in a best ball format where I can get his best days and worry about replacing his worst. I think I have to take him over those other ones, which are obvious question marks uh, at the end of the fourth round. So I, I'm fine taking Cooks. Normally, a guy like Diggs or Galladay lasts I was hoping Josh Jacobs might be able to make the turn as yeah, well. So, so was like I. those were those <laughs> I, players that I was looking at. If I don't get Cooper, I take Jacobs, who went, went pick right after me, of course. So that, yeah. that, that's funny how I that works you, out. Well, I wonder if Cooper would have went um, – because there was two picks where the picture you have actually doesn't quite show – Round fourteen. Board. Yeah, you have to go uh, down. You have to scroll down to picture four. Oh, uh, my there it is. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So it just is one of those things where okay, like Tariq Cohen. I don't know. Sony Michelle also there too. I don't think Josh Jacobs would have made it back to you, despite how much I like him as well. I that's. I was hoping Galladay or Jacobs or Cooper, and you had two of the three. So it's like okay, well, right. <laughs> we can we can work around that. Yeah, and with me, that means I start off three receivers and one back, and that was the same thing I do almost every year, if especially. In the back end of the draft, I, I feel like you're kind of you're either going to push up a running back or you're and that, so that was a tactical decision. Taking Cooper is pretty much I was resigned to taking a second receiver because I didn't like any of the backs after that. Like James White went immediately after me. Ah, in a, in a standard scoring league, there's no way I can do that. Right. No, no, I, I 100 percent agree with you. And really at that round four, round five, there's not a lot The carry on Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Josh Jacobs. And then you have just question marks and yep. and pretty obvious ones again Tariq Cohn was a pretty high pick and he 
feels like it's more of a standard or more of a PPR play than a standard play too. And yet he and James white were for round four and round five guys. That's, that's where the running back positions at in a 14 team league in round four. Like it's, you can look at those lives and be like, Oh, I don't like this position. I don't like that position. It's difficult, frankly, after round four, especially with the, the characters that we had in drafting this one, where I had a hard time pinpointing what was going to happen after round five. Yeah. Although if you had the Rotowire magazine with the rankings there, that probably is a starting point or the Rotowire app. Uh, one of the two people the, are drafting the off those two. was the, the favorite for sure. Yeah, because it's right there in front of you. And, and that's the thing. In some cases, it's the first draft for a lot of people and their you know, first inter- reintroduction of the player pool. I mean, they they played last year. They know almost all the players, but. You know, sometimes it's hard to synthesize where you rank guys, but it's the bias of Chris Liss's rankings there. Uh, before we break down the draft a little bit more, uh, let's go ahead and share another a bit a new uh, promotional item from our friends at Fantasy Draft. FantasyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees, called rake, can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy, Fantasy sites continue to raise rake, Prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change is coming. Starting in July, Fantasy Draft is changing the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. Soon you'll be able to play your favorite fantasy contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners. 100% of the time. Playing your fancy favorite contest rake-free on Fancy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fancy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fancy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FancyDraft.com today and be the first to know when the rake-free revolution begins. Use use promo code RWNFL to receive a free 7-day trial. That's RWNFL to receive a free 7-day trial. All right. So you can check out. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Joe Bartell. You're listening to the Rotowire podcast. Of course, you know that part. But uh, we, if you want to follow along uh, with the draft that we did, chime in. Or if you, you know any of the competitors in this draft want to chime in and defend picks, go to the blog uh, and you can you know tweet at me at Jeff underscore Erickson or Joe at JB Fantasy Sports. Uh, I'd love to get your feedback. Is it Fantasy Sports or Fantasy Sports One? No, oh, fantasy sports. You, you I got it right the first, the first time. time. JB yes. fantasy sports. Uh, tweet at us. Let us know how we screwed up the draft so massively. I uh, would love to hear from you. <laughs> Promise. We love that. Love it. Um, so after four rounds, you got David Johnson, carry on Johnson, lacking other Johnsons. You took Daryl Henderson <laughs> uh, in the fifth round. You got Antonio Brown and Brandon cooks to go with that. And the way back, you got Hunter Henry as part of a big tight end run. Uh, I, on the other hand, went uh, Tevin Coleman and Rashad Penny, you know, I, I wanted to tackle my RB2 spot with volume since I obviously didn't have an obvious number two. Right. And I think you crushed it, frankly. Um, I took Daryl Henderson in round five, and that ended up being my third running back. This was based mainly off the fact that, again, I had no idea what people were doing. I identified Henderson as a player that I really wanted and I felt comfortable taking in round five or round six. And be damned where anyone else was going to take him. I was going to have my guy. So that's kind of where I, I felt like I jumped the gun maybe a little bit. Um, no, you didn't. Tevin Colt. By the no, way, you would not have gotten him in round six. Let's just All put right. it that way, because I would have taken him over Penny. <laughs> and here's maybe the, not over like Coleman, Tevin but Coleman. I would not over Penny though. It, Henderson uh, and Tevin Coleman are kind of pretty similar to me. We were talking uh, on Saturday, John McKechnie and I in SiriusXM, where that San Francisco backfield someone's going to get hurt or they're going to be ineffective or they're going to be traded. Like there's a lot of teams out there right now that still need a running back and Melvin Gordon won't be the only one that could potentially be moved. So it's possible. I think Tevin Coleman's the best one out of that San Francisco backfield. And then it's Matt Breida and Breida already was hurt during the off season. So I'll take Tevin Coleman in round five, round six, and just roll with what I'm going to get production wise. Maybe if it's only eight weeks, I feel comfortable. I'm going to get a starter for the 49ers offense, which will be better this year with Jimmy Garoppolo as the starting quarterback. And I, I can kind of live with the rest of it. So I, I'm fine with that. Henderson, for sure. I wanted to have him, but Tevin Coleman, I was kind of hoping that he would slip back realizing that he probably wasn't particular with the need for running back with a lot of people behind us uh, or behind me. You are one of the people behind me. So I, I understood what I was dealing with, but it, it made sense to get uh, Henderson there. And I liked your value with Coleman too. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and see, the thing is, I believe Coleman is the best guy. He's had the system uh, experience with Shanahan in the past. Uh, 
he hasn't had the heavy workload in his past. Uh, I think that works in his favor. Uh, there's a lot of things that I think point to that. He's the only healthy one right now. I did back him up with Brita later on too, as I think Brita is the other most talented back. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm really fading McKinnon this year. Um, well, and, I was already fading McKinnon last year, so I can at least be on that train and say I was correct about one thing in my fantasy season last year. I was, I was all off McKinnon before he even got hurt. So I can, I can wear that badge with honor. You were fading him before it was cool. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was leading the charge. Very good. Very good. Uh, that, you know, and the thing is, uh, yeah, I, I just, and I, I think it's going to be a valuable position to have. I think that's the other thing. Uh, I really do think that this is going to be a good running offense. I, I think that, I think it's a highly functioning offense, generally speaking, too, when they've got all the pieces. Of course, Garoppolo's yes. got to stay healthy. That, that's a big part of it there. Um, but, I, I mean, unless the guy is currently hurt right now, I have to assume the best. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm curious, though, what you would have thought about Ronald Jones. I took him in the seventh round. So you had discussed there was a tight end um, run in the sixth round, which I kind of led with Hunter Henry, David Njoku, Evan Ingram went directly after that. I felt good getting my guy at round six, and I feel like that's a weird pivot point. Overall, a lot of people just don't know what to do in round five, round six. So that's just where I've been getting my tight end. But I went with Ronald Jones in round seven and Peyton Barber actually got taken three picks before. And I turned to DJ at the time who took Peyton Barber. I said, you got the wrong starting bucks running back. I would have taken Ronald Jones over a guy like Naheem Hines or even possibly Rashad Penny. Is that too bold of a statement to make? I was going to take Jones in round seven. Uh, Hines, I got (laughs) after you in round seven. Um, I took Penny over Carson. So I I get your vibe on that, too. I go for the upside as opposed to the entrenched so-called entrenched starter safe play. Uh, the thing about it, I don't like about Jones is he doesn't catch passes, but in a standard scoring league that matters less, obviously, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that notion though, that Jones is going to have a good second half. I know that was the other thing they highlighted from your Saturday show was how you're kind of bullish on Jones. So, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, it's a Bruce Arians offense now. Uh, you know, the thing is the bucks, their problem wasn't necessarily offense. Their running game was trash, but Overall, their offense was pretty good. It was their defense that was tragic. Um, and it didn't get any better, right? They, they got rid of Gerald McCoy, Quan Alexander signed with the, the 49ers. Their defense got worse. So if anything, I feel more comfortable about investing in the Bucks' offense overall. Like I, I'm envisioning a Bruce Arians perfectly led offense, which means Jameis Winston's throwing for over 4,500 yards, maybe gets – 25 to 30 touchdowns spoiler alert i do have him as my quarterback he'll mm-hmm. probably throw 20 picks but in this league doesn't matter we don't have we don't get docked at all for turnovers so give me all of Jameis winston shares in that kind of format so they're passing the mike evans chris godwin's getting involved oj howard's moving the ball it's all fantastic well what do they do when they get to the 15 yard line we'll probably throw two passes to mike evans maybe one gets complete one doesn't they get down to the goal line. I just don't see them passing effectively to score. It's going to be running. And I think Ronald Jones for as many faults as he had last year, and he had a lot, he might be able to find the red zone pretty effectively if the offense is moving up and down the field. So I'm almost expecting it to be a better version of whatever touchdown vulture you can think of from the last 10 years. I think that's kind of what Ronald Jones is going to end up being uh, in, in a similar faster capacity than what you project most of those guys to be. Right. Right. Uh, so I like the pick. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, and I got him in the Ve- uh, the Evans Vegas auction for five bucks the day before. Five bucks. Oh, my God. All right. Nice job there. <laughs> yeah. So and it was kind of a stuck with, you know, I kind of got mocked a couple of times, I think, by it. But then again, that's fine. It was early in the auction is the funny thing. He kind of came up a little early. I was like, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll go ahead with that. Uh, so I got uh, Naheem Hines. Honestly, I just I wanted the next best running back there. I would have happily taken uh, Jones was my preference. I would have taken Shady McCoy with begrudgingly a little bit, but because <laughs> I think the Bears really I mean, the Bills will really have a bad offense. And there's like four running backs on this team. Had I known about the news about uh, Gordon, I would have taken Eckler there oh, happily. Uh but then it was like Donta Foreman or Jalen Samuels, Royce Freeman. That might have been a better pick given the format. Now that I look at that, that he went, all, he dropped all the way to a little bit later in the draft, and that eh, might have been a better pick. But that's okay. That's fine. I'm, I'm I'll okay take with it. Freeman, Miles Sanders from the Eagles, just as an upside play. I'll take Jalen Samuels because I'm not a huge fan of James Conner, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I. 
well, I'm not a huge LaShawn McCoy fan. In fact, the uh, RotoWire magazine pick, and I've been unfortunately lauded for it, I, or no, that's not what I'm, I've been made fun of for it. Uh, I took Devin Singletary, I think, at round eight, and that was mainly because I kept um, dueling with the person right behind me while I'm blanking right now, just kept taking all the rookies that I was really into, and I just felt like I needed to get my guy, and that was probably three rounds too early to get Devin Singletary, who is not even my guy, but I have no faith whatsoever in LaShawn McCoy, even less faith in Frank Gore. TJ Yeldon, I honestly think is the best running back of that group, but forever the reason he's just been deemed a pass catcher. So I, I thought maybe Devin Singletary, but I don't even know if he got drafted in this league. So that really says something about, Oh, Singletary got drafted. I, he was an, he was a guy I was looking at. I think, Oh, phew. Okay. Yeah, well, remember Tim Schuler's in this league. So of <laughs> yeah, you're course, right, right. we had to get all any, the any bill with the pulse was going to get taken. He did have a lot of AFC East guys. AFC too, so. East, Tom Brady as well. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> so he, he, he deserved a little gentle mocking. Uh, as far as it goes, and maybe even some stern mocking, as the case may be. But uh, yeah, uh, he, he was a guy I was looking at a little bit later on. A uh, couple other. Let's. We don't have to break down the full draft, uh, but quarterbacks. You and I sprung in the same round, and you took my everybody else. It feels like. Yeah, and I was looking at one option, and you picked. I was looking at two options. I picked one in Carson Wentz, and you picked the other in Russell Wilson. I thought the timing was right. Yeah. 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 And there are so many people that waited on quarterbacks. And while this was an expert ish draft, I thought it was a little bit surprising. Like Mahomes and Rogers both went in the third round. And so uh, did Baker, Baker Mayfield, Baker too. Mayfield too in the third round. And then Watson was the sixth round. And I don't have an issue with where Watson went. Rogers and Mayfield's a little bit high, at least based off the current ADPs. I understand it. And there's a few Packer fans in the building in particular. So Aaron Rodgers getting pushed up that high makes some sense. But then quarterbacks basically all got weighed on until round 10. Like we had Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, Kyler Murray, uh, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff all went basically within 15 picks or so it felt like. So I, I was happy to get Russell Wilson. Uh, McKechnie was talking, he took him the sixth round in the other Vegas draft. So that was a pretty big difference in value. I actually think Jameis Winston probably ends up being my starter most of the season for what I talked about earlier. Like I think the bucks offense is going to benefit significantly from a really bad defense and without any turnover penalties, Winston really is kind of like the perfect quarterback to use in this sort of format. Yeah, I agree. I, I like him a lot. I got him in the fishbowl. Uh, the only thing I, I think that keeps me away from Wilson sometime in some occasions is Brian Schottenheimer. Yeah. Yeah. Losing Doug Baldwin too. with you. Right. And we don't know what we're getting from Gary Jennings and DK Metcalf as, as high as I am on DK Metcalf. I, yeah, I understand that there's going to be a lot of concerns and probably getting, getting used to what Russell Wilson does, not just in the pocket, but when he's scrambling around, getting that chemistry down, we saw with the Packers and the Aaron Rodgers offense, there was a lot of those young receivers that just didn't know where to go right. to get open. Whereas guys like Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Cobb had that understanding after three or four seasons with the scrambling quarterback what to do. You know, I, I think there's a potential for Metcalf to be the Pedro Serrano of wide receivers, straight routes. <laughs> he can do quite well when it zigzags, maybe not so much routes are scared. I we don't know. Crisscross sports. That's not going to work for our viewer base. Come on now, Jeff. Yeah. Well, we're, we're <laughs> an audio medium anyhow, so they can, they'll deal with it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So at, at any rate there, uh, I, I mean, Metcalf, I mean, the physical tools are gross. I mean, he, you know, the, his, his speed, his strength. I mean, they're awesome. It's just, I, I do think you need a little bit of zig and I think that that's going to be something that might work against him a little bit. I forget where Metcalf went in this draft. Um, I know. I, I just know I didn't get him. Um, yeah, I, I have of my, I think six best best ball uh, leagues I've done in MFL. I have three shares of him. So I, but again, it's, it's mainly like rounds 12 through 14. So if you're going to throw a dart, might as well throw a dart at a guy that has the intangibles and upside and really position an offense like other than Tyler Lockett, who is Russell Wilson throwing to? I'll, I'll, I'll roll with a guy like Metcalf, who I think has a lot of upside um, if he develops and can show consistently to be an NFL kind of receiver, like a lot of our road aware uh, college football experts seem to believe he can be. Yeah. Uh, he went at nine two. you got uh Nikhil Henry in round eight as your rookie wide receiver. I ended up with two rookies late Debo Samuel in round 11 and AJ Brown is my last non-kicker defense in round 14 i'm actually pretty kind of humped, uh, pumped about debo samuel maybe i have too many niners but i actually think that uh he, there's a chance he starts we'll see how healthy goodwin is marquise goodwin could be a better pick eventually if he's healthy and it does everything that we thought he could do last year but it's going to be a, a real push for him to get that job 
the spirit of Jenna, Jerry Donna being just kind of morphed into you in Vegas and consumed you and made you take Debo Samuel. He is like by far the most high on Debo that I've seen anybody in the fantasy sports industry as a whole. So that, that was my only assumption as to what happened. I'm, I'm completely off him right now. I just think the 49ers have so many other weapons and so many other better weapons than Debo that I don't want to go anywhere near him. Okay. I understand he might start, but that's to me, it's, but again, this is, we're talking about around 13 selection or around 12 selection. Come on. There, there's only so many negatives you can provide. Like these are all gambles. We're all trying to take shots in the dark to see if we can get a, a starting caliber player for our team. At best, he's probably going to be a wide receiver three or flex for you, right? Like you have Devonte Adams, Cooper right. and Galladay. You don't need him to be anything more than he's a shot in the dark. By week, fill in injury, fill in flex play. And you know, we'll see what, you know, and obviously the waiver wire is going to matter a ton in these leagues too, especially right. with a July draft. Uh, before we move on, a quick note from uh, one of our sponsors, friends at Superdraft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Superdraft's exclusive game mode, Multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Superdraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA, so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Superdraft today using promo code ROTOWIRE and claim your free $5 in super cash and a free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or play at superdraft.io. Superdraft, no limits, more winning. So, Jeff Erickson here with Joe Bartell and uh, our first Monday NFL fantasy football podcast. Uh, we kind of went through the Vegas draft. And if you want to go over that again, go to the RotoWire blogs. You can read my write up on it and look at the exquisitely pictured draft board. Uh, <laughs> want to quickly talk about a couple more things here uh, before we sign off today, because uh, you know, it's, we've already covered quite a bit uh, in this, this podcast here, but I know we had a question, so I wanted to hit that up. Travis asks us, how do you strategize for a dynasty startup and what effect does that have on your view of ADP for the draft? And I want to start with this. There's two different things. Let's start off with just straight up. Uh, how do you prepare? How do you get ready for an initial draft and a, di- and a start a dynasty startup? Cause that's, that's a lot to digest. That that's true. And I really, really strongly believe in the best balls as a way for you to get comfortable with the ADP first, just understanding what the ADP is, where you can pivot, where maybe you have to jump up or jump down for guys that you want getting that down, whether it be in a best ball format, whether it be looking at our road rankings to see all the different options out there and how players are going up. You can have all these nice little green arrows and red arrows that are helping you identify which players are up and down. Those are all great tools to have. But specifically for dynasty format, after you've understood and kind of analyzed the ADP and figured out where the turns are going to be, there's specific rounds where you have to make choices on players you want. Then I'm going for upside and age guys. Like I, that's great. If you want to win the league this season, go ahead and get a guy like Drew Brees or Philip Rivers. That's fantastic. But identifying maybe not not so much Kyler Murray, but the younger players that you can really benefit from later on is part of building an appropriately strong dynasty, not a single season team in a dynasty league, but a dynasty team. So I'll always target the younger players. Um, I know when we started our dynasty league, it's mainly just about a bunch of friends and family of mine. Um, I had Doug Martin. It was after that one year where he had that one, one specific game over 200 yards that he won in the second round. I was able to pivot away from that mistake, thankfully after two Mm. seasons, but you do have to value, I think younger guys more so, than you would otherwise. So I'll identify the ADP and then I make my own rankings, particularly based off the age relevance factor and kind of adjust accordingly off those ADPs. So it's, it's a, almost like a three part step, but I think each part is equally crucial when you're in a startup dynasty format. And I think a lot of it has to be, you know, I think a lot of the consideration really is also, uh, how many guys you keep when you say dynasty, how many, how deep is yeah. that? If you're keeping 20 guys, well, then you really have to think long term. If you're keeping 10 guys, though, I think you can rebuild a lot quicker, you know, in football more so than baseball. I feel Absolutely. like. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important. So I think football encourages you to try to win now a little bit more than 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 in because let's face it, an average running back's career is three years. You know, exactly. there is no long run. 
So you get the guys and you crank them out and hopefully, you, you know, how often do guys flame out at running back? All the time. So it's it's almost, it's really hard to bet on the long run. With quarterbacks and wide receivers, okay, sure. You can plan out a little bit more. But I think with running back, I mean, you you get Mr. Right now, not Mr. Right. Right. And you and I have both been in those auto new formats where, where I've done football specifically, but I think you've done baseball formats as well, where there's the keeper, but also auction format that I always find interesting. And it's always a fun challenge. But in that situation, I'm not keeping any more than seven or eight guys just based off a salary bump and everything else. And Travis actually, who is a friend of the program, friend of mine in particular, is also in that as well. So I think I've seen him kind of build the roster similarly. And it's a great question overall when it's strictly dynasty when there's no other auction stuff involved when it's not oh well i can keep this guy but i have to pay an eighth round pick for him strictly dynasty i think i would be emphasizing a lot more of the younger guys and then adjusting my adp based off of what we're seeing this year in particular agreed agreed all around uh, let's bring up adp for a second uh i use nffc's adp obviously for a dynasty league it's going to be different than it is for other contests uh but in a re- and then it is going to be for a redraft league but using adp is an important tool for me especially for the nfsc because it's skin in the game and i'm sure the same and like any best ball platform too because Pay, paid best best ball that is you know any, anything where you have to live with the consequences and you have you stand a profit well yeah I'll, I'll take that for, as information that what p- smart people are doing i i don't necessarily do it as to kind of guide my rankings it, it sometimes informs me if there's a guy i really want to get how to make sure to know when he's going to be able to go have a better idea. Cause that's the, the nature of the beast with snake drafts, especially if you've got a guy you're particularly targeting. I wouldn't call him a sleeper. I'd call him a target. You got to know wh- what's the price on him. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with both Daryl Henderson and Ronald Jones for me yep. during the Vegas draft draft that we were talking about. Like I felt pretty comfortable knowing that each would be going in the round five or round seven range. And I, I want to get those guys. So if I had to do it a little bit early, fine. I get my guy. And that's, that's really what the most important thing is using those 80 uh, ADPs. And I also use NFFC too. Like I, I feel pretty comfortable with that using those as a tool to then recognize what your rankings are. If there are players that stand out um, or if there are players that you even have higher, I try to tier my people best I can by position and then draft accordingly from that. So it, it's been efficient and effective this year. I, I've definitely went more. Uh, I was going to say it. I've done a better job of investing resources and time into analyzing and studying the ADP this season than I have in the past two or three seasons. And it's made me feel infinitely more confident when I'm up there drafting what decisions I want to make and how I want to build my team. So, yeah, I don't imagine many of you are sitting there listening to this and be like, all right, now I'm going to go draft eight best ball teams. But there is there is some helpfulness to that kind of aspect in it. It's again mainly because I don't want to keep losing my family league, or right? I want to be better in my in my friends and family league as well. And I, having that knowledge and having that basis is a huge impact for that. Exactly, exactly right. So good question, appreciate it there, uh, Joe. Anything you're working on this week? Uh, anything that's popping up on the site, or mostly are we going to find you in audio form? Yeah, nothing on the site this week. I'm excited, though, to be sharing the SiriusXM platform with you both Wednesday and Thursday. Yep. And then I think next, either this weekend or next weekend, I'll also be back on there again. This, um, I really do love doing the audio stuff. Podcasts, SiriusXM, doesn't really matter. I, I like talking, uh, as you guys could probably tell, maybe talking too much. Uh, but it, it's one of my things I really enjoy, especially about fantasy football. And then we're going to be really ramping up Broadware as a company doing more of the uh, on-air radio spots for different stations out there, of which I've already got three signed up for that'll be throughout, reoccurring throughout the season. So there'll be a lot of my voice around uh, if you are listening in the different areas. And uh, certainly reach out to me on Twitter, too. I love answering questions best I can. Um, it, it's fun to kind of talk about fantasy football. There is no right or wrong as much as we pretend there to be. There is no right or wrong uh, when it comes to fantasy football at the end of July. Maybe maybe by the end of August we can have some definitive answers. But even then, I feel like there's a lot of opinions and everybody's opinions are right for the most part other than, uh, well, saying the Bengals are going to be more than a 5-1 team. <sighs> Hurtful. <laughs> Take a shot on the way out. That's fine. That's all right. We'll be looking, really looking forward to Wednesday, Joe. That would be great. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, the Rotowire NFL podcast. Coming up tomorrow, we got Jake Letarski and Joe uh, as well. And uh, we've got you know, me, myself and Brad Evans on Wednesday and a whole lot more the rest of the week. So keep tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Yahoo Fantasy Sports for sponsoring us. And we'll be back at you again tomorrow.